Morning, guys. Man, that was awesome. Thank you, guys. I, uh, I love, love, love worshiping with you. Some of those songs are of some of my favorites. I'm glad you're here with us today. We're starting a brand new series today called 50 Days of Transformation. I'll get in that in just a minute. Let me mention a couple of things real quick, just to highlight uh, and underscore some things that Seth said. We are a couple of weeks from today doing East Point 101, and some of you think, I think I've been through that. Well, we've revised, revamped, renewed, rebirthed it, and uh, our goal is to get every one of you 3P 101, and we think it's that important. And we're actually doing it uh, on the 23rd of this month. And uh, somebody said, that's four hours on Sunday afternoon. I'll miss football. That's why God created DVRs. So just uh, set your recording. Uh, we've, we, uh, we have this sneaky suspicion that uh, we, we live busy lives. And to get you guys to come for a block and get it done and to enjoy the time together, we'll give you plenty of breaks. We think it's good. But then we're going to run again on November 13th, and uh, you'll see more about that in the uh, weeks and months to come. But I would encourage you to do that. And then in the uh, bulletin today, uh, which, by the way, does have the outline on the back of it, the new and revised bulletin, or pulse, or whatever we're going to call that thing. Uh, there's the 50 Days of Transformation Life Group flyer. Take a look at that. Uh, we start the series today. The life groups don't actually start this week. They start the week of October 16th, so you hear more about that next Sunday as well. I've been very excited about the season of our church life together. Uh, I've been praying a long time uh, about this, and I truly believe that this is going to be a season of transformation for you as an individual, uh, for your family, for your marriage, for your friendships, uh, for our church. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, today we're gonna take a look at um, the topic of setting goals, setting spirit, uh, personal goals by faith. But before we get there, let me just tell you uh, why I believe in this. Uh, I may not look like it right now, you may be surprised and shocked by this, but once upon a time I was an avid runner. I've put thousands, thousands of miles on this body. I've got the bad knees and the bad back to prove it. But I've run, I, I lost count, well over 50, Five and 10Ks, most of them 10Ks. Uh, from about the time I was 25, I started running. I hated running in high school, and, and it would, I was the guy that would, this is kind of gross, but I would run that mile and puke. But uh, I, I got into it, and it, was, uh, it became a part of my life where for a long time, if I didn't run three to six miles a day, I didn't feel good. And then I decided I was gonna run a marathon. I actually ran a couple of marathons. And I, I know you're thinking, wow, he does not look like a marathoner. Well, I, I did once upon a time. And I, it's always funny. People ask me uh, two questions about running marathons. Why? Well, that's a good question. Why would anybody want to run 26.2 miles? That just seems stupid. And uh, for me, the why it was really simple because well, it was a challenge. I love challenges. I thought, you know, I, I want to do that. And then after I ran the first one, I thought, you really can't call yourself a marathoner until you've run at least two. So that's why I did the second one. And I would have done more. Uh, my wife begged me to stop. But, because uh, it takes a lot of time just even getting ready for it. But and then the, the question is, how do you do that? How do you run, do you guys have any idea, 26.2 miles, that's a long ways. And uh, the, the how is actually uh, easier and simpler than you think. You start small and you keep building. You set goals. You set a weekly goal. You set daily goals. You set monthly goals. And over a period of time, six, seven, eight, nine months, you can actually, I believe anybody I can get to the point where you can run and finish a marathon, and I've had the privilege of running a couple of them. Now today I'm gonna to talk about the challenge of setting personal goals, and I believe they can and will change your life. I truly believe that, that if you will engage, listen, embrace this idea today, that it can change your life. Over the next 50 days, we're gonna be talking about this. And our theme verse is Romans 2, excuse me, Romans 12, verse 2, Romans 12, 2, which says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the theme. In fact, I want you to read that out loud with me. Read it like you believe in it. Ready, go. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
I love Romans chapter 12. And the word says here, don't be a conformist. Do not be a conformist. In fact, be transformed by God by renewing of your mind. So the big idea today is this. Everyone is either conformed or transformed. Every one of us is either conformed by the things around us, by the world around us, by others, by life, by whatever, or we're transformed by God by renewing of our mind. Here's a little insight, and you've heard me talk about this before, but man, do I believe this. God created you to be unique. And some of you uh, are very unique, but God, God, God made you to be special. He created you uh, to be unique like nobody else ever. Think about that just for a minute. Of all the billions of people on the planet today, not to mention the billions that have lived before today, God made you special. You've got a unique thumbprint, handprint, earprint. You know that your earprint is unique. You've got a unique voice print, unique heartbeat. Even your heartbeat is unique, distinctly you, unlike anyone else that's ever lived. The problem is that's God's plan. We start off as originals, but we end up as copies of other people, and that's not good. We get conformed along the way as we get pressured by others. We get pushed into the mold of others or the mold of the world around us. During the next seven weeks, seven Sundays, we're gonna take a look at seven areas of your life. Uh, and, and each of them, I'm gonna challenge you to embrace uh, the idea that there are things that God wants you to change and that the changes that you can and need make, uh, and, and that it's possible because of God's power in your life. We're gonna take a look at spiritual health, physical health, mental health, emotional health, financial health, transforming your relational health, and we'll finish up with talking about even vocational health, how God wants to bring health to every area of your life. But ultimately, here's what I need you to hear this, and you'll hear me say it multiple times in this series because it's key that you embrace this. We're gonna talk about transforming the way you think, and here's why. It's the next bullet in your outline. When you change the way you think, you change the way you live. When you change the way you think, you change the way you live. Whatever you dwell on, whatever you give your attention, your mind to, the Bible says, and Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man or a woman thinks, so is he or she. That what's here affects what you believe, affects here, and affects what you do with your life. What I want to do today is explain why I really believe you must set some goals for your life if you truly want to grow, if you want to grow. By the way, this is important for you to understand as well, that growth is the motivator. Goals are just the means. Let me say that again. We're gonna talk about goals every week, but I need you to hear this. Growth is the motivator. The why, why do, why do we wanna set goals? So that we can grow, so that we can become the man or the woman that God wants us to become, so that we can be all that God has created us to be. The, goal, the, the growth, uh, the ultimate goal is growth. That's what we're, that's the motivator, but goals are the means that get us there. So each week, in your quiet times, uh, in the 50 days of the, the Transform book, which I think we've got a handful left, they're over there at the service, but there's 50 days of devotions and you need to go through that every day and each week and in, your, in the small group times and every Sunday, I'm gonna challenge you to set different goals in your life. But I don't want you to be so focused on the goals that you miss the ultimate idea, growth. You hear me? Yeah. Set goals, yes. You're gonna hear me say that again and again, but you know, the problem if we just set a goal and then we reach the goal, then we feel, okay, I'm done, I can cruise now. No, the goal is growth and we wanna keep growing no matter what. John Maxwell, who's a leadership guru, used to be a pastor, has written tons of books and I've read lots of them. He once said this, growth conscious people focus on the lifelong journey so that when a goal is reached, they keep on growing. Let me say it again, growth conscious. People who focus on growth, they focus on the lifelong journey so that when a goal is reached, whatever that is, that you keep growing beyond that. That you don't say, okay, I'm done, I can stop growing now. 
So this series is all about the future. Lots of times here, uh, we talk about our past, our present situations and struggles and how that influences and affects us, and of course, that's true. But this whole series is really gonna be a focus on the future, your future potential. So I wanna begin today, and I'm gonna punch through these really quickly. Fasten your seatbelts, we're gonna fly. Well, three reasons why you need to learn how to set goals in your life. Why are goals important? All right, you want me to set goals, whatever. Why, why should I bother? If you get the why, I believe you'll do the what. Here's number one, reason number one. Goals are a statement of your faith. Why are goals important? How, why is this even appropriate in church? I mean, people think a goal, isn't that something, it's a business thing, or that's what athletes do, or that's a secular thing, or that's what weight watching people do. I, I don't, goals don't have any place in the church. Well, the answer is wrong. Goals are absolutely a spiritual habit that you need to develop, because goals are a statement of your faith. In other words, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a Christ follower, and you set a goal, what you're saying is, I believe, which by the way, that's faith, I believe that God wants me to accomplish such and such by such and such a time. So you pray, you ask God for direction, for wisdom, you ask God to give you insight, and you set these goals by faith. And you say, I believe that this is what God wants me to do, and goals are, should have a, a time, a, a period attached to them, by such and such a time as well. And again, that's the statement of faith. That's a statement where you're saying, I believe this is what God wants to do. This is what you believe God is doing and wants to do in your life. And by the way, faith pleases God. Hebrews 6, 11, 6 says this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This verse and other places, we find Jesus talked about this all the time. Faith matters. And we're not talking about faith in faith or some faith in a formula or faith in some magic words. We're talking about faith in God. And without faith, without believing, without taking a chance, we cannot please him. And as a Christ follower, setting a goal, setting goals in your life is an act of faith. And again, faith pleases the Father. It makes God happy. My old pastor, who's a long time ago went to be with Jesus, but his name was John Wimber, used to say this. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Love that. Faith is spelled risk. There's always risk involved when you step out of your comfort zones and into the unknown. Some of you, I'm just gonna give you a little heads up, a little, little warning ahead of time. Some of you are gonna be very uncomfortable for the next seven weeks because you've not really embraced the idea of growth, goals, and stepping outside of your comfort zone. And I'm gonna lean on you just a little bit. With love, you know I'm, this is a grace place, and I'm, I'm not, when I talk, I'm not thinking of any face or any particular person. If you think I'm talking about you, I'm not. Maybe you need to hear it, but I'm not, I'm not addressing you specifically. But we need to set goals, and we need to get outside of our comfort zone. And some of us, maybe some of us have walked with Jesus a long time, we've got it on cruise control, guys. We're just going through the motions. We're showing up, doing our thing, kind of coming to church, and, and, but we're just running through the motions. And if I ask you, tell me the last time God stretched you, the last time you had to take a leap of faith, the last time you really had to pull it, uh, put it all out there in risk, you maybe have a hard time telling me. Here's another thing I need you to hear in all of this, and this was recurring theme in this series. You need to let the size of your God determine the size of your goal. I'll say it again. You need to let the size of our God determine the size of your goals, and that's why we pray. Ephesians 3.20, jot this down or take a look at it later. Paul wrote this, God can do anything. Guess what that word in the Greek, that word anything means? Oh, you're right, it means anything. God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got a pretty active imagination. 
I can imagine a lot, but the Bible says that God goes way beyond my best day, my biggest imagination. God has far more for us than we can even dare to request at times. We've got a big God. We've got a big God, so don't be afraid to set big goals. Let the size of your God determine the size of your goal. Now, some of you were around for this. You know this story. Some of you are new or newer, and, and uh, you don't know what happened. But we, um, years ago, in the shadow of the Great Recession, 2009, 2010, uh, somewhere in there, uh, the dollar store was in this part of the building. They went belly up. We were over, in fact, on that side, met in what we call the Xbox now, where the youth use it, and it's used for other things. We were in that auditorium, which was fine. worked for years, and, and uh, we were often running three services. Christmas, we sometimes ran six or seven to get everybody through that. But the dollar store went belly up. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version of the story. But uh, the owner came to us and said, do you want this space? And my immediate thought was, oh, crap. Uh, this is not a good time. Can I say crap in church? Okay, good. Oh, no, this is not a good time. This is where, you know, uh, our church was plateaued. We were fine in the auditorium we were at. Finances were taking a little bit of a hit because of the Great Recession, and this guy comes and offers us this space. I'm thinking, ah, not now. Then he said, well, make us an offer, and we'll entertain it. We'll take a look at whatever you want. So a long story short is the board and the leadership of the church, we sit down, we prayed, and we prayed hard. God, is this you? What do you want to do? And the consensus from the board, from our leadership team was, yes, this is what we need to do. We need to take the risk. We need to take the leap of faith. And we, as kind of a, a, a... a way of making sure God confirmed this for us. We actually had 18 different things that we gave to the owner that we wanted to adjust in the lease. And we went to our real estate guy and he said, I can't present this to the owner. He's gonna think I'm crazy. There's no way. He doesn't need to renegotiate the whole lease. In this area, just again, give you the, the highlight. In this area, space, lease space goes for about a dollar a square foot, give or take. We were offering him 27 cents a square foot. We already had a lease long-term on that part. He wanted to add to the lease. We said, no, let's renegotiate the whole thing. We had a list of 18 different things. And our realtor said, I can't present this. I'm gonna be embarrassed. There's no way. I'm gonna be laughed out of his office. I said, dude, who do you work for? Yeah, that's right, us. And we wanna offer this. He said, make an offer. That's our offer. The owner accepted every one of those things, every one of them. And we got a, a killer deal on this place, and, and then we had to begin the process of remodeling, and I went to the church, and I said, listen, we're not gonna go into debt, so if you want this, if this is God, then I need you guys to step up, pony up, and give so that we can do the, and it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. That wall right there, we call it the $100,000 wall, because the spitty, the spitty, that's pretty much accurate. The city of Spokane uh, made us put seven layers of sheetrock on that stupid thing, which I'm not even gonna comment on that because this is being recorded. We had to raise a lot of money, and we started, we, we were making process, and we thought, well, as we have money, we'll do as we, if it stops, we stop. And we had to stop at one point because we were out of money. I came down, it was a Friday night. I literally, the stage was done, but there, the walls weren't done, ceiling wasn't done, the lights weren't in. I spent the night in the corner right here, in the corner of this stage. I spent Friday night down here, most of the night walking around praying, fell asleep for a few hours, got up about four in the morning. I'm walking around this room just praying, and I'm saying, God, you, I thought this was you. You told us to do this. God, we took a huge risk. And right back there on that corner, I heard a train. And it was a train from down, you know, Sullivan area. And the Lord, I heard the train whistle. The Lord said, the train's coming. The train's coming. Just trust me. Go for it. 
And you guys, listen, you guys, some of you are the recipients of blessing of some who've made huge sacrifices. You guys took the leap with us and you made this possible. And we're sitting here today because of God, because of what he did. It's a big God we serve. And so sometimes we gotta set big goals and we go way out there. I wanna encourage you to stop your puny little thinking. Stop putting God yourself in an itty bitty little box. I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, I can't sing enough, I don't. Stop, stop all your arguments and start dreaming. I think God wants you to dream big dreams about what he can do in and through your life if, and here's the condition, if you will trust him. Don't limit God in your life by your unbelief. I'm begging you, don't limit him. See, there are two mistakes we typically make. We often, uh, when it comes to goal setting, we set our goals uh, too low, too small, or we try to accomplish them too quickly. That's a common mistake. We, like, well, I, okay, I wanna, I, you know, I think I'm gonna get, we're talking about physical health. I think I'm gonna get physically healthy. I'm gonna lose a pound in the next year. <laughs> maybe that's a little low. Maybe that's not quite, you know, maybe that's, we, we don't set them high enough, or we, we, uh, we, uh, Try to accomplish them too quickly. You know, we tend to overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate uh, what we can do in 10. And I, I have a long view, and I want you to have the long view as well. But as your pastor, I'm gonna encourage you each week over the next 50 days to set a goal in each of the, 50, uh, uh, each of the seven areas where we take a look at. I wanna challenge you to dream big dreams because God is bigger than you think, and you have to trust him. In fact, here's the next bullet in your outline. I want you to live your life in such a way that you are bound to fail unless God bails you out. Now, some of you are thinking, that's just stupid. Well, read the Bible. I could give you 50, without even thinking about it, 50 examples of men and women throughout the scriptures who, unless God showed up, they were going to fail and fail miserably. One of my favorites, Judges chapter six, Gideon. God sends him to battle a huge army with 300 guys. Dumb, really dumb. Gideon's thinking, this is just not good. I don't understand this. God says, it's okay, I'm gonna show up. And they defeated an army with 300 men and a bunch of clay pots. It's a great story. Live your life in such a way that you are bound to fail unless God bails you out. So instead of your puny little thinking and your puny little goals and, th and things you're trying to accomplish instantly, my challenge is to set some big goals and then invest the rest of your life going for it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to go out on a limb because guys, that's where the fruit is. That's where it's at, go for it. Here's the second reason why goals are important. Number two, goals bring focus to your life and keep you moving forward. Not only do they, they, uh, they, they, they give you something that you need to, you know, in terms of faith, a statement of faith in your life, but they will help you grow because they will bring focus and help keep you moving forward. Another one of the reasons why you need to set goals is because goals will help you stay focused rather than wasting time, energy, and money. Focus is the key to an effective life. That's not in your notes, write it down. Focus is the key to an effective life. That's true in every area. Ask any successful businessman and, or woman, and they will tell you focus is the key to being successful. Ask any athlete, any star athlete, any guy that's, or gal that's done great in sports, and they will tell you focus is the key to being successful. And guess what? That's true in the spiritual realm as well. The more you focus your life, the more powerful, the more effective your life is going to be. You spread yourself out on a thousand different things and you're not gonna be effective in anything. You know, light can be very powerful, but light diffused has no power at all. You take the sun and you focus it through a magnifying glass, you can start a fire. Or you can light bugs on fire. Not that I have any experience with that at all. 
Focused light is a, can become a laser that cuts steel. Focused light is a laser that can remove cancer. The power of focus is huge, and God wants you to live a laser-focused life. And goals bring focus to your life. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 12 too. Listen for the word focus. He says, stay focused on Jesus. There's the first time it's used. Stay focused on Jesus, who designed and perfected our faith. He endured the cross and ignored the shame of that death because, here it is, he focused on the joy that was set before him. And now he's seated beside God on the throne of place of honor. The writer here says, stay focused and follow Jesus' example, who lived a focused life. Jesus had a goal. In fact, there are other places, don't have the time, other places where he said, nope, I gotta keep moving forward. Nope, I'm not gonna be distracted by that because the Father's given me a goal. He's given me a, a mission. He had incredible focus in his life. And I need you to look beyond. Jesus looked beyond the pain for the payoff. I need you to look beyond the pain, and there will be some pain if it's a big goal, to see the payoff in your life. Have you noticed that life is full of distractions? Some of you are already distracted. You're already thinking about something else. You've got your phone out, and you, you want me to think you're on version Bible. You're really not. You're doing something else. We can spend our life, we can waste our life, or we can invest our life. And I wanna suggest to you that investing your life comes tied hand in hand with focus. The key to being an effective woman or man of God is that you uh, have goals that help bring focus to your life. And some of you, again, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, but some of you, you are living without any goals right now. Maybe you had them once upon a time. Maybe you got frustrated and gave up. Maybe you said, you know, goals and you, you didn't give enough time. You, they, they, you, you overestimated what you could do in one year and, and you underestimated what God could do in 10 years. But as a result of not having goals, you're running around in circles. You're on the, this, this rat race and you're not getting anywhere. Goals are statements of faith and goals will bring focus to your life. Here's the third reason. One more reason why goals matter. Goals build your character. Goals build your character. Goals build our character because they bring clarity and purpose of life. Drifting. If you're just wandering around, drifting does not build your character. Coasting does not build your character, but goals help provide vision for your life. Very familiar passage for some of us. Uh, Solomon said this in Proverbs 29, 18, that where there is no vision from God, the people run wild. I like, that's a voice translation. Where there is no vision, the, the people perish. But those who adhere to God's instruction know genuine happiness. If you set a goal or goals for your life, you get a vision, and in Christ, you, 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 know, you pray, you ask God, what do you want me to do? And, and then rather than running wild or running loose or being completely out of control, goals will help you stay focused and goals will help you get to where God wants you to be. What I'm saying here is that goals have a great value and purpose in your life, but I need you to understand this. Listen carefully. The greatest benefit to your life from goals that you'll set over the next 50 days and hopefully over the next uh, whatever years you live on planet Earth the greatest accomplishment is not reaching the goal, is not going to be because you achieved the goal. Listen carefully. Goals matter, I want you to set goals, but the greatest accomplishment is the next bullet in your outline. The greatest blessing is what happens inside you while you're moving toward a goal. Goals matter, I said they're important. We need to get there, they bring focus to our life. They're good, yes, yes, yes. But I'm gonna tell you something I've experienced and some of you have as well, is that the greatest blessing is not great, I reached the goal, I did it, I got it done. The greatest blessing is what God does in you and through you in the journey. That's what, that's what matters most. I promise you, God will teach you more about faith, about patience, about hope, about perseverance, about faithfulness, all those things in the process 
and, and he will build your godly character as a result of that. I've said it a lot of times, many times before. God is way more interested in your character than he is in your comfort or, frankly, in your accomplishments. He wants to build you. He cares about you, who you are, and what you're becoming in and through him. And what you do matters, of course it does, but God's interested in you and helping you become the person inside, the character of Jesus, birthed and born and alive inside of you. So here's the point. While you're working on the goals, remember that God is working in and on you. We're gonna talk a lot about goals. But I need you to remember this. While you're working on them, remember this. God's working on you. He's working in you. There'll be times you'll set a goal and you'll get really, really frustrated. Or you'll get disappointed. Or it won't happen the way you thought. Or it'll come through a different, you know how many times I've set a goal and I pursue it and I thought it was gonna end here and it ends up over here? But I never would have ended up anywhere if I didn't have a goal. And God has a way of saying, okay, I know you don't see the big picture all the time. You don't get it all, but you were moving forward. Now I'm gonna steer you. It's like that stream that just kind of pushes the boat over here. I'm gonna direct you to where really what I want you to be. Because the ultimate goal is your growth, your, your growth. Goals help build character, and that's why uh, they're important. And those are the things, what's character is what's gonna last for eternity in you. All right, I punched through that pretty quick. Those are the whys, why they matter. What kind of goal does God bless? Let me run through this quickly as well. What kind of goal does God bless? Not every goal is a godly goal. Not every goal is something that uh, God's gonna bless. So how do you determine what's a God-blessed goal? Well, let me quickly again give you three questions that you'll need to ask. Three questions that'll help you really measure, probably more, but three things that will really help you determine whether that's a God driven, God-given goal or not. First question, does it honor God? Does it honor God? Does it esteem and value and honor him and put him in his rightful place in our life? Does it honor God's word? Let me just say, uh, if it doesn't honor God's word, it's not a God-given goal. Don't come to me, and you wouldn't, but just for fun, I'll say this. Don't come to me and say, I have a goal of divorcing my spouse in the next 50 days. Uh, no, that's not a God-given goal. That's one, no, God would rather have you work on your marriage and get it healthy over the next 50 days. So does it honor God? Does it honor God's word? Is it biblical? And does it make God the hero or you a hero? That's another really, an honor. Who, who gets all the honor? Who gets the praise? Is it God? People go, what they ought to say is, I cannot believe God did that in Tim Gump. I cannot believe that a guy who has, you know, a pink shirt, that God used him in that way. Talking about Seth, I like your shirt. You even had the matching pink thing on the, they were very nice. What, and my point is, God ought to look, at, people ought to look at you and go, wow, isn't God amazing? That that's, brings honor to him. First Corinthians 10, 31, when you eat or drink or do anything, and the word anything, what does it mean in Greek? Anything, you guys are so smart. When you eat or drink or do anything, always do it to honor God. What an incredible verse, we just did that. First Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, do it to honor him. The second question, is it motivated by love? Huge, big deal. That's the second question you ask when you talk about goals, whether it's in your finances, your health, your relationships. Is this goal motivated by God, love for God and love for others? If it's not, then it's not a God-given goal. God is not gonna bless a goal motivated by greed or envy. Not gonna happen. God is not gonna bless a goal motivated by fear or guilt. Not gonna happen. God's not gonna bless a goal that's built on trying to, to, to you, are you trying to build up your ego or your pride? Not gonna happen. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, everything you do must be done with love. Again, 
powerfully simple verse that if we just lived that, can you imagine how radically different our planet would be? Not to mention the church and our lives. If we just practice that, everything you do must be done with love, everything. And by the way, love matters most because that's when we're like God the most. So is it motivated by love? Third question, will it require absolute dependence on God and his power? Will it require absolute dependence on him and his power? Any goal that causes you to trust God more and depend on him more, I'm gonna suggest is a good goal. But if you can do it without him, eh. You see, I said earlier that they, they ought to stretch us. It ought to be a risk. It, 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 it ought, I ought to be bound for failure unless God bails me out. And I'm gonna back that up by saying this. If I can do it without God, then I'm gonna suggest that that might not be a God-given goal because God wants us. John 15, read it this week. Read it today. It's a great passage. Jesus talks about abiding in the vine, abiding in here because that's where life comes. That's where energy comes. That's where our power comes as we abide in him, in the vine. And if I can do without God, then shame on me, and it's probably not a God-given goal. But again, if I absolutely have to cry, you know, a few weeks ago on our, our resurgence, and it's online, by the way, I gave a message from my heart called Shameless Desperation. If you missed it, go watch it, because I'm telling you, I poured my gut into this whole idea of we need to be shamelessly desperate for God. To where God, I just need, I'm desperate for you. If you don't show up, nothing's gonna happen. I said it earlier in Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so you don't, if you don't have a goal that requires faith, that requires you to trust in him, then it may not be, and I would suggest it probably isn't a God-pleasing goal. But anything that requires faith will require God's power in you. And the good news is, by the way, we'll talk about this, that God has given you all the resources of heaven. Don't you love the fact that we've got a God who says, trust me, take a leap, dream big, believe big, and oh, by the way, I'm gonna give you everything you need. Is there anybody else besides Seth and me? I mean, Seth and I. I love that about God, that he's like, yeah, I know, I'm asking you to dream big, and guess what? I'm not gonna leave you out there on your own to do this. I'll give you everything you need. If it's not something that draws you to him, then it's probably not from him. Rick Warren, in his book, Purpose Driven Life, and Rick's a, my pastor, one of my pastors and a mentor in my life, and I love him deeply. He said this once. He said, you're gonna go through life either by design or by default. Think about it. You're gonna go through life either by design or by default, meaning you're gonna either set goals and you're gonna decide what God wants you to do and take those leaps of faith and trust him, or other people are going to decide it for you. You're either gonna live on purpose and by design, trusting him, believing him, asking him to show you what he wants you to do, and then going for it, or you're just gonna be like the pinball in the pinball game, bouncing all over based on this person or that event or this circumstance or that thing, and what a miserable way to live. That is not God's plan. Pinball life is not his life at all. Now, even when you are pursuing and following him, you may feel like you're getting whacked around sometime. Anybody else been there? There are times when you're gonna feel like, wow, I, this, is, this is really hard. But if you live by design, if you live intentionally, if you live with purpose, then God will get you where he wants you to be. If you don't set clear goals, if you don't have clear goals in your life, then I'm gonna suggest that you're drifting, that you're coasting. And people who drift and coast, that usually means you're going downhill. And it's not synonymous with growth and moving forward. 
And again, if you don't set goals for your life, then you're, you probably are just reacting to circumstances. And you might be wasting the gifts, the time, the energy, the money that God has given you. God wants you to clarify. He wants to clarify for you and with you what is and isn't important in your life. And it's a spiritual discipline, guys. You might not have thought of goals today as a spiritual discipline. From this point on, I hope I've changed your way of thinking. Jesus lived with goals. And it's a spiritual discipline. And that's why each week I'm gonna encourage you to be bold, be filled with faith, faith and set some goals. Let me tell you one last story. I'll pray for you and we're done. Um, most of you know back uh, 2013, I had my first book published with Tyndale called Epic Grace. And uh, nobody, nobody expected that to happen, least of all me. Uh, the, the background of that, how that happened is just really a miracle. If you said to me 10 years ago that I'd be a published author someday, I'd literally would have laughed and said, well, I kind of like to write, but that's not ever gonna happen. And yet through a series of things that happened that were just, you know, God breathed, I ended up getting this book deal and published a book with Tyndale. <clears throat> the, the, that experience for me changed my life. It was healing for me. Uh, I, I've said before, writing's therapeutic for me. i pouring my life into this book and then seeing what God did and being honest about all sorts of things. I'm gonna tell you, you haven't read the book, man. I, you wanna know this, this, the, uh, the inside dirt on me, read Epic Grace, because I was honest. I just poured myself into this thing. Got done, and uh, I remember I was praying one day, and I'm, I was kind of excited about it, maybe even a little proud, you know, like, wow, this is good, this God, I'm so great, this is exciting. When I first held that book in my hands, I can't tell you how I felt about that. It was really cool. But in one morning, in, in my devotional time, my quiet time with the Lord, the Lord said, what's next? And I, I, my first reaction was, God, can I just enjoy a little bit of the glory of this? You know, I'm, can I just rest for a while? I mean, I worked hard. And, and the Holy Spirit said, what's next? So I said, I don't know, God, what's next? What do you want me to do? And it's clear, and not an audible voice, but clearly the Holy Spirit said, I want you to set a goal to write five books in the next five years. It took me five years to write Epic Grace. Five years, trust me, my wife can tell you. And, and, I, and uh, five books over the next five years? I thought, that's just insane. God, that's way, and it dawned on me. That's right, it's way bigger than me. Two weeks ago, my sixth book just came out. And it's a kid's book. I've read a couple of kids' books, a marriage book, devotional book, a how-to book after Epic Grace. So I actually, I'm ahead of schedule. And I, I got the sixth book done, and I'm, just this last week, I'm, I got that, I'm holding my hand, and again, it was like deja vu, the Holy Spirit says, what's next? Oh. And I'm asking the Lord, show me what's next. I haven't landed on a goal yet, but I'm saying, God, I don't wanna just make this up, I wanna hear you, what do you want me to do? Guys, my point in all this, if God can do it with a recovering idiot like me, he can do it with you. If he can do it with a guy like me, trust me. You think, well, yeah, I don't have the gifts. I, I have learned so much about writing. I, you should have seen my first manuscript when I came back from the editor. I cried, red ink everywhere. It was just, they, he massacred it. And I thought, how dare he touch the holy word of Kurt? <laughs> I've grown, I've learned. And if God can use me, my point is, he can use you. But you don't get there by sitting on your duff. Can I get an amen? All right, let's stand together. Let's pray. Jesus, I know that you are doing something in our church. I feel it, I sense it, I see it in lives. 
Lord, what you did Friday night with the women and the change that you brought and the impact you had on their lives. What you're doing, God, in our small groups and our youth. God, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm just giddy with anticipation and expectation right now. I'm so grateful for what I know you want to do in us and through us. And yet I know, God, I know in my knower that we have to cooperate with you. We have got to step out of our comfort zones. We've got to engage. We've got to believe. We've got to ask you, show us what you want us to do. And then we've got to dream big dreams and be bold in our faith and trust you. And then, God, here's what I know. When we do that, that's when you show up. You love, you delight in showing yourself strong through weak vessels like us, like me. You delight in making us trophies of your grace, God. And so some of us, we've checked out, we've disqualified ourselves based on our sin or our past or our lack of whatever. God, I pray this morning that you begin in those hearts and those minds to bring transformation, that you would transform them by renewing of their mind to believe in you and to see themselves from your perspective. And then God, empower us. We cannot do this without you, Lord. I don't even wanna try. But I pray, Lord, that 50 days from now, we'll look back and go, wow. Way to go, God. Thank you. Thank you for what you did. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. The, listen, the most important transforming act you could ever engage in is the decision to be follow, become a follower of Jesus. That's where the transformation begins. That's where Jesus comes and by his spirit, he lives inside of you and transforms you from the inside out. It's in that moment that you come from, from, from darkness, the Bible says, into light. It's in that moment that you become a child of God when you say yes to him and accept his offer of salvation, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And if you're investigating Christianity, you're not ready to do that, I promise you, this is a safe place for you. And I would encourage you to keep coming, keep seeking, keep looking for God, and he's gonna reveal himself to you. But if you're here today, or you're watching online right now, and you're ready, and you know, man, I, I want that. I need God. I want to believe. And you're ready to say yes to him. Then just make this prayer, this simple prayer I'm gonna pray right now, in your own way, in your own words, just make this prayer yours. Father, thank you for sending Jesus for me. Thank you that he died on that cross for my sins. Thank you that you offer me now forgiveness and grace and mercy, and I accept, I embrace the gift of salvation right here, right now. And I realize I could never do this on my own, and so God, thank you for what you've done for me. Jesus, thank you for what you did for me. Thank you that you live, that you're alive, and I believe in you right now, and I surrender my life to you. In this moment, right here, right now, I'm yours. Now take my life, transform me, make me into the man or the woman you want me to be. Now if that's you, that's your heart, and your own way to say, yep, God, that's what I want. That's what I need. And the Bible says that moment you surrender, you're his. You're his, you're in the family now, you're his forever. Lord, thank you for those making that decision. Thank you for what you're gonna do in and through them as well. We honor you now, it's in your name we pray, amen. We're going to finish one last song. It's a song, really, a declaration, celebration. We're going to take our offering. The usher's going to come. Uh, if you're a guest today, don't feel obligated to give. Make this service our gift to you. Whether this is your church home, let's give to uh, support what God's doing here at East Point. But let's give as we worship. I'll come back and wrap it up. Well, that's my prayer, that you uh, will leave here today awakened by the love of God and His plan for your life. If you need prayer, prayer team will be down front. There's communion available on both sides of the room. 
you began your life as Christ follower today, tell somebody. We want to walk in this journey with you. Come tell me. And uh, there's a packet. It's a gift bag. It's in a Bible. It's material starting a walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up. And next Sunday, this is First Steps. It's a class designed for you. If you haven't been to First Steps yet, take that. It's during the second service next Sunday. Listen, here's the last thing I want to say. We've got a few books left over there. The Transformed books are there. They'll probably be gone after this service. Bring them with you every Sunday. Excited about next week. Got something special going to show you. You'll find out next week. It's going to be cool. And we start, uh, again, moving through the seven different phases of transformation in our life. I love you guys. Go dream big dreams this week. God bless you. Thanks for being here.